1: TCL is a proud sponsor of the SCORE North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily.
2: Well, I think the biggest thing I'm relieved of is I won't be your guys' headlines for all the rest of the summer. (laughs) I'm not used to being that guy in the headlines, so um, I apologize. Now you'll have to have something else to write about for the rest of the summer, but I'm certainly excited that this is behind us, and now I can just focus on football. I can focus on being a leader of this football team and doing everything I can to make sure that we're the first. That's that's my only goal. I want to be a part of the first team to win a championship here.
1: That was Minnesota Vikings tight end Kyle Rudolph, who did um, a couple things for us, Courtney
0: made Summer a lot easier, I'll tell you that. What I was going to say is he
1: made, well, maybe from your perspective, but from my perspective, I can't talk about trading him anymore. So that made it harder on me because there's no more Kyle Rudolph trade talk. Where it made it easier was we know exactly what we're talking about for today's show.
0: That's true. I think the next six weeks, though, I will all be happy that we're not speculating. Is he going to the Patriots? Is he... Going to, I don't know, what was the other team? Pittsburgh. They need a tight end. The Raiders need a tight end. What team needs a tight end? Maybe Kyle Rudolph could be the guy. But I mean, it's the timing is good. We expected it to happen. Not lingering in a training camp is what Kyle said. So it gets done going into mini camp. Makes all the sense in the world. Get the team together. It's the final install. These final three days. Then you break. He comes back. He's on, you know, it is a reduced price. They're able to move his cap hit down. I believe NFL Network said about four million. So the Vikings get what they want. They get to retain the player, have some short term stability here in terms of what they can do with the cap and rolling that four million into which I mean it's gonna dissipate. It'll probably end up being about two million by the time it's done after they sign the practice squad. But they have some cap flexibility, they can roll into 2020, and then Kyle gets to stay here and he doesn't feel like he shortchanged himself by that much. I mean, today, as you heard the sound at the beginning of the show, he said, you know, he did say earlier that, you know, he felt like he left some money on the table, but being here was more important. But in the end, $9 million guaranteed and up front for him is not a bad, that's not a bad uh, paycheck considering where he is in his career and probably what he could get elsewhere.
1: Nine million guaranteed is less than I thought it was going to be for this contract. When the details came out last night, four years, $36 million, my estimate would have been somewhere in the range of half. His last contract eighteen and
0: eighteen million eighteen and a half million
1: guaranteed. That right. So that was my guess is that he would get about the same. And for him to still be one of the higher paid by average annual salary, but also not hold this team back with the guaranteed money, it essentially turns into a two year deal this year and next year. In 2020, and then if they want to move on after that, it's very likely that they'll be able to do so with a pretty low amount of dead cap money if they have to. And this is where the Minnesota Vikings are just good with their salary cap, is that they find ways to... Uh, figure out exactly when players' primes are or their best years are going to be and not go any farther than that with their contracts and also make sure the guys get their cash. And I think that in order to do that, you have to have an ownership. So everybody's always going to thank their owner when they get a contract, but I think when the Vikings say it, it's really true that the ownership is willing to pay the dollars that the players are going to need to make this work. Because that's kind of where it comes from, the trickle down of if you want to have a really good cap situation, you got to have the people up top who are actually going to fork up the money for the signing bonus.
0: Absolutely, and I think that that's why the Saints, yes, they are in a really weird predicament with their cap space and what's going to happen when they finally get the bill. Uh, for lack of a better term, in a few years from now, but they're kind of doing something a little bit similar. I think there's a little bit more risky, but they, their ownership has given them that commitment to be able to extend guys, try to keep that core nucleus together, which, look at the off season. It was Everson Griffin, then it was Anthony Barr, and now it's Kyle Rudolph. Three core players on this team, both offense and defense, that They feel we cannot win a championship without you. We need you here. The commitment is keeping you here so we can can further our commitment to bringing our first Lombardi trophy to this franchise.
1: So Sam Monson is going to join us at 240 from Pro Football Focus. And he was talking about these moves on Twitter. I won't ruin what he's going to say, but there are two sides to this. There is the one side of bringing it all back, as they have done with all these players. They want the same core of the team that they had basically in 2017 here for 2019 because they believe that this core can win. But the argument on the other side is if you don't think that these players are the same as they were. Now, maybe Anthony Barr is, but everybody else is quite a bit older and some are on their way out of their prime. So even though... Kyle Rudolph says he feels better at 29 than he did 21, which is probably true because he had injuries in college. But you're still talking about a guy who is in his late 20s, going, going into to his be 30s. on the wrong
0: side of 30 very soon. By the time this, if he plays out the extent, the uh, you know entirety of this contract, which goes through the 2023 season, he'll be 34. So, at that point. Yeah, probably. I know he was mentioning Tony Gonzalez today, and you know, playing seventeen years. I mean, that's the anomaly for that position. Like that doesn't happen with tight ends all the time. Um, it's a great goal to have. Is it achievable? I don't know. I mean, he's had a nine-year career so far. It's been very good, very consistent. Is it been great? I don't think I'd put it in that caliber. But where he's at right now, he's been very, very good in a key part of this franchise. But for the Vikings and the commitment that they're making, it's not a long-term commitment, which is why I think they're in a safe spot. They get what they want, and they still get to keep the player. It's not, when you look at these four-year deals, and I've gotten a lot of questions on Twitter, it's like, oh, it's backloaded. it's this, that, and the other thing. Um, you know, the fr- it's the first, there's only injury guarantee for next year, and then there's the guarantee, which is his base salary, and then they bumped him up by like $1.6 million again this year, so his cat pit's able to go down these two years are, are pretty much it. I mean, I think that if we're talking about Kyle Rudolph in 2021, um, we're talking about probably a new deal.
1: I think it tells you about the timeline of the organization, doesn't it? That mm-hmm. over these next two years, when now, it, when you look at the, players that they have it's amazing how it gets late early in football when you have a really good team about how quickly things start to deteriorate and how difficult it is to keep everybody uh together when you go down, up and down the roster, some of the higher paid players that they have, and how much longer will they be great? I mean, you can ask this question about Xavier Rhodes, who had a dip last year. Riley Reef isn't even great, but how much longer is he even going to be good? I think this is our last year of Riley Reef. Harrison Smith, how much longer will he be a perennial pro bowler and top three at his position? Linval Joseph, this might be his last year. Trey Waynes might hit free agency. Everson Griffin, I'm almost guaranteeing this is his last year. So this is kind of the last kick at the can for this group is this year and next year with Kirk Cousins as the quarterback. And I'm not saying they'll have to tear it all down. That was the thing that Kyle Rudolph kind of pushed back against a little bit when I think you asked him about win now, that he pushed back against
0: a and little they bit They want saying, to keep winning for the foreseeable future. Yes, yes. Um, and, that's, or,
1: and that's true. They want to win
0: for a long time was the quote. I mean, but everybody he did, does. He did say that it's certain... Like, I was asking him just about... The moves this off season, all of them reflect the all in in 2019 yep, mentality. Totally. And he said it certainly embodies the win now mentality, but to me, it just embodies how much they care about winning. Period, which is true. I had a conversation with Mark Wilf about uh, back back at the owners meetings uh, in March, and we talked just about the elusive Lombardi Trophy. And I said, "Do you think you would have won one by now?" And is that something that you think about often? He's like, "I think about it every day. Like, and and, and that's something too." Patience gets tested after a while. Jobs become further on the hot seat Mm -hmm. when patience is tested. So they're doing their part with the financial support to be able to give them, to give players these front-loaded deals in terms of the guarantees and everything else, and then they backload everything else. Um, They're able to do that because they are just as anxious about winning this championship and doing something since they got here in 2006 it's time it's time for them too and i think that the moves that this team has made all reflects an ownership group that's saying hey we're all in we realize the super bowl window is small maybe the front office doesn't always realize that but they do and they want the moves to reflect that
1: 651-646-8255 if excuse me you have a take on the kyle rudolph contract a lot of people did in my twitter I uh, put it out there. Let's assume guaranteed money is reasonable. It is. Um, Are you in favor of Kyle Rudolph's four year, $36 million deal? 66% saying that they are and 34% saying no from 1300 votes. So th- the majority is leaning toward liking this deal. But the question that comes to mind for me, as we're talking about this is do they have it right with the idea to go all in On the same players because I went through and made up an alternative reality offseason or four different ones of things that they realistically could have done with this offseason and it would have involved a lot of turnover, a lot of people changing out, um, maybe spending money in different areas like on Golden Tate or Jawan James or whatever it might be. Did they make the right move in bringing everybody back and thinking that the same group that has not won can win? Sure. And I will, um, I'll get your answer, but I'll, I'll give you a kind of a weird stat that would make me say, mm, I don't know. But g- give me your answer. Do you think that they're right in bringing back the same people and thinking that they'll get a different result?
0: I'm not, because uh, I don't think it's kind of like stop trying to make fetch happen. Stop trying to make 2017 all over again happen. Did you get that? To, mean, me,
1: to what?
0: You didn't get the Mean Girls to, reference. Oh, Gretchen, stop trying to make fetch happen. Yeah, do you yeah. That? Okay, yes. Okay. No, I love
1: Mean Girls, but it just went over my head. Well,
0: that's embarrassing. Um, Sorry about but that. But anyways, I mean, they're trying to recreate 2017. They're trying to recreate the peak of this franchise under the Wilfs and under Mike Zimmer. That's that's all they have to go off of. That's their sample size. Is the 2017 NFC Championship where they laid an egg, and I do think that you can get the same result all over again. But if you want to take it to the next level, if you want to get to the Super Bowl, I'm not so sure that bringing back the same players that you had there that are now on the other side of their prime, some of them, like Everson Griffin, we're going to see Kyle Rudolph getting up there. Um, as you mentioned with Anthony Barr, he's 26. He's in a good spot right now. He shortchanged himself. Like It was really not a great uh, financial move from his part, but... From a football perspective, sure, Brent keep him here, and he's a
1: kind of a different conversation because he is in his
0: prime yeah. and he's going to be in his prime for the
1: entirety of his contract for the rest of these guys, it's a lot different you know for someone like Xavier Rhodes who's the same age as Kyle Rudolph and they could have traded Xavier Rhodes to make more cap space. But here's the stat that makes me go, "Mm, I don't know. I don't know if you could just run it back and expect to get back to the NFC Championship game pretty much the same way with the same sort of roster. And even if Schirmer was running a lot of the same things that Kubiak is going to run, so kind of a similar scheme or thinking that the offensive coordinator is the key linchpin to being different. In 2017, the average quarterback rating in the league was 86.9. Last year, that shot up to 92.9. That's a big difference in one year. The reason that it was down so much, a bunch of quarterbacks got hurt in 2017, and the overall quarterback play was just worse in the league. Andrew Luck didn't play. Aaron Rodgers, as we know, did not play two games against the Minnesota Vikings that set them up in a really good position. Carson Wentz got hurt. Nick Foles was not that good in the regular season, but just the postseason. It's just... The scenario that the Vikings had that year, everything came together. Everybody was healthy. The rest of the league was not playing great quarterback. Aaron Rodgers was out. It just kind of all the stars had to align for you to get there. And the fact that Kirk Cousins is probably not going to outperform 2017 Case Keenum, as weird as that is, he's a better quarterback, but at best-case scenario, he probably performs at the same level as 2017 Case Keenum. It's, it's hard to see. But since you've already done it, you might as well go all the way with it and keep Kyle Rudolph. That was my take is, hey, you already brought everybody else back. Why change the rules now with Kyle Rudolph? If you're all in, stay all in.
0: And I think, too, from what we've talked about, Gary Kubiak's offense, along with Kevin Stefanski, I'm going to give them both credit for this, but we talked about this last week, the tight end usage as wide receiver number three. It's big. I wrote this back in May, and I think I wrote it even before that in free agency of why they should keep Kyle Rudolph if they want to do what they want to do offensively with heavier personnel groupings, with um, multiple tight end sets, and not put that much on Irv Smith, because let's be real, first year tight ends by and large are not a plug and play position, and you cannot expect them to go in and be Mark Andrews every single year. That just doesn't happen. I mean, what happened with the Ravens was a complete anomaly. That is not the that's not. And their other for tight the end was bad. Yeah, they drafted. And, and and that to me, they if they want to see the success out of Irv Smith, if you have Kyle Rudolph this year and whatever Irv does is gravy. If it was all on Irv Smith, I think that you would see a dip in production and it, the expectations, the outside expectations that he's going to become really, by and large, the number three receiver, uh, number three pass catcher, let's call it, and do all these great things they did at Alabama and, you know, every catch is going to go for a first down, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think that's realistic, but having Kyle Rudolph here, handle the blocking assignments that Irv Smith, you know, maybe you don't want to put him against Khalil Mack. I, I wouldn't. So line him up wide, line him up as an H back, let him do play to his strengths. And I asked Mike Zimmer about this today and um, just how, you know, we saw them exper- experiment with 13 personnel today. So three tight ends. Most of them were inline blockers and that's fine. But if you're going to use 13 personnel in passing situations and heavier, like heavier packages like that, you have to have guys that are fast, who are athletic and are able to do that. Is Kyle Rudolph the guy for that? Probably not. But Irv Smith is. So I think to make this offense run as effectively as Kirk Cousins has talked about with making them more explosive, things like that, you need Kyle Rudolph to make that happen. It has to happen. Let's go
1: to Ben in Florida here on the show. Ben,
0: you're on Purple Daily. What's up?
3: Hey guys, um, I agree with uh, I agree with Courtney there that you know it's if if you're serious if you're serious about winning a championship, removing players off the roster that helps you in, in in last year just isn't the route to go. Um, but I will say this: I know there's a lot of talk about there's concern that the Vikings aren't building it the right way through defense. Well, I would also look at the offensive personnel and say we don't really. We don't have Sean McVay on our staff. We have a Mike Zimmer. We have to build our team the way, you know, it's the way it should be built. But is it the right way to build their defense? I'm not sure. But I will, but I do believe that they're making the right decision by just going all in for all these, for all the players, for all the core players. Because, you know, what are you, what are you saying when you just let Kyle Rudolph or trade Kyle Rudolph? Or what are you saying when you're trading Xavier Rose? You're basically saying that the way we were building our team was a mistake, and, and it and it might be and in the way that building it out might be a mistake, but it might not. We don't know that, you know. And there's always surprises every year in the league, right? There's always some team that's like they're supposed to be good, that's not good. So it, you know, we'll see. But I think they're doing. I personally think they're doing the right thing by going all in.
0: Thanks, Ben. Appreciate the call. It makes sense, because if you're going to go all in with some players, like Ben was mentioning about defense, what do we see in free agency? Defense wrote kind of the entire narrative, and then the first four picks, and majority of the picks, really, in the draft were offense. So, if you're going to go all in, go all in. I, I like that the Will family understands the narrative of what a Super Bowl window actually is. It is a short-term, it's tiny can't really see through it very well. I mean, <laughs> um, unless, you're unless you have
1: one of the great quarterbacks in the league. Yes. Unless
0: you're the New England Patriots. But even the Packers, look at their Super Bowl window from a few years ago. Look how quickly that thing shrunk. Look at other teams around the league. People are saying the Chiefs are Super Bowl or bust this year because of their Super Bowl window and what happens when, you know, guys like Travis Kelsey continue to get older and is Mahomes going to regress and et cetera, et cetera. You apply that same concept to the Vikings. I think it's honestly two years maximum. It was last year, and it's this year. I don't think it's next year. I really don't. I mean, yes, you have some guys under contract uh, for the 2020 season that are what you would want on a Super Bowl, Super Bowl contender. But I think it's this year or bust. Truly, if we're going to say the, you know, use the whole word bust, um, to me it's now or never. And I think that the Wolves did the right thing because they are going all in, like it or like it or not they're at least following suit because you had three guys you have three guys now this off season that you felt were core players to what you did in 2017 to get this franchise to the highest of its heights and you want to continue on with that now whether it was the right players to do it to do those extensions with or to, you know to try to keep them here I don't know um we'll we'll, we'll find out very quickly if Everson Griffin's going to be able to return to form we'll find out how Kyle Rudolph affects this offense if it really is necessary I think it's necessary but we'll see how that plays out Um, Well, what I think is that,
1: um, I'm sorry, I I think that we're going to find out if Super Bowl bust or was last year, Super Bowl or bust.
0: I I think it was a two year window because 2017, Okay, that wasn't supposed to happen. It did. And then you sign Kirk Cousins and you bring in some other pieces. You, You have your two draft classes in the time after that. I felt like last year had the potential of being that. But the window started in 2018, and I think it closes after the 2019 season. These things don't last long. Unless you're the Patriots, they're mm-hmm. not four, five, or six years. Three years maximum. Because look at how they can start cutting guys. They can start, you know, with, with it's what we're talking about, the Xavier Rhodeses, the Linville Josephs, Everson Griffin. Um, those are just a few names of guys that might, be either restructured or not even here in 2021. We don't even know
1: who the quarterback is past 2020 and and that's what really kind of determines your window. If they don't have the great players around Kirk Cousins, then they won't be a legitimate contender. And this is about the best that they can do with their approach. But I think that Ben on the phone gave a, a really good thought about well, they decided to go all in on this Mike Zimmer idea of defense winning, and it almost got there, got them there in 2017. So why divert the path? Now I would say divert the path because the league got better at passing, and you it's need true. to match up. That that's where I would say because Kirk Cousins, the guy you went all in on, he has to have as many weapons as possible. Now if they were to have moved on from Kyle Rudolph,
0: that would certainly go against that. I mean, be who you're going to get that at this time right. of year too. Here's what we talked about earlier. Maybe, maybe if they would have re-pri- reprioritized or just prioritized differently in March or even in February going into free agency, we're not talking about an Everson Griffin being here. We're maybe not talking about Anthony Barr and we're probably not talking about Kyle Rudolph. They could have done this differently. If they wanted to go after Jared Cook, if they wanted to go after, um, Ben Watson, if they wanted to go after any of the other tight ends that were available in free agency, they could have. But they chose not to.
1: They got put in a position where they had to do this, mm-hmm. basically.
0: Or they, would be, or they would be getting a fifth-round pick for him because no one's giving you a third-round pick. Right. I'm sorry, not at this time of year. No, Unless somebody gets desperate into a Sam Bradford, Teddy Bridgewater situation where you have to trade away a first-round pick because your quarterback goes down two days before the regular pre- uh, preseason's over, nobody's going to get that desperate.
1: If you're a fan of Godfather 2, then you would know the reference can't be made to look ridiculous. They would have been made to be looking ridiculous if they traded him for a fifth-round pick.
0: Or if they cut him, and then he goes somewhere else yeah, and he blows up. Absolutely. Because, I mean, they or could have cut just him a good and year. had no penalty. Yep. Yeah,
1: sure. We would have been snarking about that all year. If they cut him, and they didn't replace him, and Tyler Conklin wasn't good, and Irv Smith wasn't good, then we would have been saying, oh, uh, how many receptions does Kyle Rudolph had? Maybe you shouldn't have cut him.
0: And he really is more of, the. if you're looking at this position, he is the surest bet you have on this team. Yeah. You and I both have the vibe that Irv Smith. They don't know. Yep. They don't know if he's going to be great. They don't know if he's going to be this move tight end of the future and in mimic what Trey Burton does and what other athletic big body receiver type tight ends can do. There's the jury's still out on him as it should be. He's a rookie. Yep. But Kyle is a sure bet. You can you can make fun of his blocking. You can make fun of his yards after the catch because they equal about zero every single game. But you cannot make fun of the fact that he is a consistent producer for this team, and what they need to be, what they need within this offense to be able to execute other positions.
1: Let's get uh, Mike in Bloomington here before
4: the break. What's up, Mike? Hey, what's going on, guys? Just a couple points that I want to make. Uh, first off, I, I definitely agree about the uh, uh, what you guys are talking about about Rudy. I think it's great to have him around. Like you guys have been saying, and like we all know, he's a great person in the locker room, great leader who's committed. To winning here and also like uh, Courtney was just saying I think it's nice that it's going to really define Irv's role a little more not make him do too much as a blocker he can kind of just focus on his receiving skills and staying outside so uh, that's all great Um my second point I wanted to make was this move clears up I think I saw it was 4 or 4.5 million in space for this year do you guys think there's any chance that Reef and Picks could be packaged for Trent Williams because as you know, Trent Williams is unhappy in Washington with the medical history there and kind of just overall how bad of an organization and ownership it is, and he wants out. And I think that an upgrade like that at that important of a position would, if it's really win now, then that, that's the move to win now. That's all in, to go get a guy like that because, yeah, he's kind of on the, the plateau of his career, but he's still an elite left tackle. And now Reef, plus the $4 million in space, plus... Any picks, I think it would really be worth it. It would make this O-line so much more solid. I think it would help Elfine and his transition. So I'll I'll hang up. I just want to hear what you guys think about that.
1: Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Well, I'll answer that before we go to the break. Um, I just can't see Washington trading an elite player to a team that they're going to play this year. And deals like that. I would love if they happened more in the NFL. I'd love if it was like basketball and baseball, where you see like a lot of these bigger trades and stuff. I just have a really tough time seeing them actually dealing Trent Williams. They're in a position to say, okay, you don't want to play? Then forget about it. You're not going anywhere. You could just sit. Kind of like Pittsburgh did. Everyone thought Pittsburgh would trade Le'Veon Bell. They just let him sit. Um, I, I don't see them giving away a player that good.
0: Regardless of the cap implications, too. I know that he had mentioned that the clears up about $4 million in cap space. Like They still have to... That's not a lot of space.
1: You have to have space going into the season. Yeah, you
0: have to have the... I mean, this team knows that more than anything. With Teddy Bridgewater's injury, you have to have cap space. You have to be able to go out and sign players. And Williams um, is really expensive. And, and he, yeah, right now you can't afford him. What did we say last week? He had a $15 it's million dollar cap hit? 147
1: or something like that. Something absurd like, that. like yeah. that.
0: I mean, you can't afford him. And... Really and truly, I think with a guy like Riley Reef, yeah, you could, right now, you could release him and get $10 million back in space. I think they're happy with him because I think the position flexibility, if he really needs to go inside the guard, he could. And he's, he's talked about that he'd be fine doing it. But also with Reef, um, he knows the system. He's, he's an above average left tackle. He'll be fine. Um, I just don't see a possibility of the Trent Williams thing. Was there somebody else he was saying would package in with him?
1: I think maybe draft picks, but you just okay. it's one of those things where I, I, I can't see it as being realistic, even though in theory it sounds good, but making it actually work is really difficult. And I mean, so, this team
0: also needs to worry about extensions of other players, too. They like do. That's probably, if they're going to continue in with this win-now mentality, all in, we like the guys we have, that takes precedent. All
1: right. Jonathan, we've been extremely late to the break already, so I'm just going to take one more call. Uh, Robin Ramsey, what's up, Robin?
5: Hi. It's uh, I Like I said before, i like to hear your show. But, you know, like I said, I've been a Viking fan since. Fran Tarkenton. And this boom and bust, I don't know, it just kind of... Um, if we got rid of Zimmer because we didn't win this year, I think that would be a huge mistake because he's... Every year he's had us in the top, what, five, six in defense? Yeah. And then every year he's been a coach, something bad has always happened. you got Bridgewater. You have the offensive uh line coordinator. You have um, something has always happened since he's with the offense, it seems like, since he's been coach. And it's like, and we lose coordinators every other year or every year and um i think they should give him an i think they should give him an extension because if we lose him then we're we're starting all over from thanks. bottom
1: yeah Up. thanks robin we yeah. got to we got to uh, run to the break okay. i appreciate the call um let's let's talk about the pressure that's on though because when you bring back Kyle Rudolph it does say We are all in for this year. And that ramps up the pressure on everyone. I agree, actually, with Robin's points. And I've thought, if you want a better coach, especially on the defensive side, find me one. I'm not sure who it is. So I don't disagree on her points on Zimmer. I agree with them. But the question is... Is ownership going to agree with those points if things don't go well this year? So let's talk about the pressure now that Kyle Rudolph has signed, now that we have got the roster. We know exactly what it is. There are no more questions left. We'll discuss when we return. You are listening to Purple Daily here on Score North. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business? Visit FederatedInsurance.com to
2: find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. The numbers obviously speak for itself. You know, I've lowered the cap number, and now we have wiggle room throughout the course of the season, which obviously everyone knows is necessary. So um, I'm glad that worked out as well.
0: That was Kyle Rudolph talking about his cap implications. Remember, he had a $7.625 million cap hit prior to signing this deal. The team had somewhere about like $1.3 million, so yeah, it was tight. Things were real tight. Now, according to the NFL Network, that number goes down by about $4 million, so they have some wiggle room to work with there. But this is a short-term fix, in my opinion, for a long-term problem. But at least as we were talking about in several with several callers and i we will we'll, we'll circle back on the mike zimmer thing cuz that's really important mm-hmm. but um the all in mentality that this move and the other moves this off season have reflected really shows that this team wants to win a championship this year believes it can with the core that it has whether that's right or wrong They're still staying consistent, which you don't see a lot from NFL teams. I mean, to really double down on this and say, no, Everson Griffin is worth whatever we're paying him, even though it's on a restructured deal. We believe he can get back to 2017 form. Anthony Barr was such a huge priority for us that we're going to shortchange him, even because we can't afford to pay him, but we're still going to bring him back. Kyle Rudolph, vital to this offense, vital to what we want to do with Irv Smith. We will make it work. And I think... There was really never any doubt in his mind that he would be here. He did express some skepticism, which he kind of, you know, went 180 on today, being like, oh, no, my wife and I knew from the beginning that we'd be here, blah, blah, blah. I'm thinking back to Mike Zimmer's golf tournament Mm -hmm. in the beginning of May where he was talking about, yeah, I mean, you know, you never know what's going to happen. You don't know what your predicament's going to be. I told, you know, he was at that fundraiser, I believe, for the University of Minnesota Masonic Children's Hospital where he was telling people... No, hey, whatever happens, we're still going to support so they that's not true. I don't believe that. I think that he felt, and he was talking about there's several other teams that were interested in him, where plenty of teams, whatever the word was. um but regardless, this mentality that this team has of going all in in two thousand and nineteen isn't going away now that turns the pressure up, and what does that pressure do to someone like Mike Zimmer who? did have his option for 2020 picked up he's you know he was not going to be a lame duck coach this year but his his philosophy of going all in on defense ownership back that and now if they don't f- produce and perform the way that the money figures that have backed these players uh if that doesn't come to fruition our jobs on the line is his job on the line and, sh- and should it be
1: well i think that it is on the line I, I do too. for this year because They have tried this and tried this and tried this, and they have invested so much money. And if you're the owner of this team, owners, then you're saying... Look, we gave you everything you wanted. We brought everybody back. We paid Anthony Barr. We paid Kyle Rudolph. We brought in Gary Kubiak. I'm sure that wasn't cheap to bring Gary Kubiak here. He had other offers to be offensive coordinator for other teams and decided to come here. I'm sure that finances played a little bit of a role for Mr. Kubiak. We paid for everything you ever asked for. We built you the performance center. We built you the stadium. We did everything for you. And if you can't win with all of this, then we're going to probably try a different direction the next time around. Now, my guess would be, though, that if this year is disappointing, it would really depend on what that level of disappointment was for Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman. I mean, if they make the playoffs and lose in round one, is that enough disappointment to move on? I don't think so. If they still have a top five defense, like Robin in the last segment mentioned, and they finish eight and eight, Does that mean that Zimmer stays and Spielman goes because they didn't do enough around Kirk Cousins? Or I mean, it really depends how it looked. If there were injuries and they lose, then you probably get that excuse for one more year, right? I mean, Robin brings up a good point. There have been a lot of bumps along the way, but when you spend this much money as owners, you expect to get the results, even though everybody knows it's a tough league and this quarterback has never really had a lot of success in terms of winning.
0: Yeah, and I mean, his he's handicapped the salary cap and will continue to do so for the entirety of this three-year contract. But um, to her point of what Mike Zimmer's responsibility would be in all of this and would it be fair? And, you know, I think she was arguing that you should give him a contract extension now that starting over would really put you in a bind. And, you know, this is the right philosophy. Is it though? That's my thing. I mean, I, I agree that call, that jobs are on the line in 2019. The pressure only intensifies after making such aggressive all-in moves mm-hmm. like this. But for Mike Zimmer, if it doesn't pan out this year, and and if they go seven and nine, if they go eight and eight and make the playoffs and still have a good defense, is that philosophy? Is it time for a change? Is it time to get an offensive head coach in? It might be.
1: That's often the way that it goes, is however a team was before, then they change and go the opposite way. Um, Apologies for the short nature of the segment, but Sam Monson is going to come on with us next. So we're going to take a quick break here. We're going to come back, talk with Sam Monson of Pro Football Focus. He has takes on the Kyle Rudolph contract. We will return in just a moment. Here you're listening to Purple Daily.
2: Difficult if you don't have people in your corner that you trust. And I mentioned it a couple times, it was easy for me to come out here every day and focus on football because I had two agents that I trusted and I played for an organization that I trust. I knew that Rob had my family and my best interest at mind and I knew my agents had my best interest at mind. So, you know, that allowed me to come out here every day and just focus on becoming a better football player and helping this offense get a little better so we can win a championship and knowing that at some point I'd be standing up here and, and it would all be finished.
0: Another confident quote from Kyle Rudolph, uh, having full confidence and faith in his own side, his own party with uh, his agent and with the Minnesota Vikings. said earlier that he believed the entire time he would be a Minnesota Viking. Didn't feel like that for the rest of us covering this nonsense for the last three months, Matthew Collar. But, not when he um, said that there are other
1: teams interested. But yeah, just, plenty we'll of just other teams. Forget about
0: that. Yeah, we'll forget about that. But uh, someone who has not probably forgotten about that is uh, Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus, the lead NFL analyst. And Sam, I want to get your take on the move that the Vikings made. Matthew and I have been talking about this all show, that it really reflects the all-in, win-now mentality in 2019. Was this the right move, though? Could they have gotten rid of Kyle Rudolph and still been in the same position that maybe you project them to be at the end of the 2019 season?
6: Yeah, I think they probably could. Um, you know, Kyle Rudolph, I think, is a capable NFL starting caliber tight end. I think he's been a good player for the Vikings for a number of years now. But his PFF grade has gotten worse sort of each of the last couple of seasons overall. I don't think we, we've seen – he's not at his, his athletic peak anymore. You know, earlier in his career, albeit when he got banged up by injuries a little bit, missed some time – you saw this dynamic playmaker that could do some pretty special things, both as a receiver and as a blocker. I don't think we really see that player anymore, but he's still a quality starter. The the point, though, I think is more, you know, you drafted Irv Smith to potentially be his replacement. You, with Kirk Cousins' contract on board, you just have to start thinking where you want to allocate the money. And I think at this point, Now that they've got all their draft picks signed and they've kind of done all the moves they're going to make in the offseason, I don't think it makes a huge amount of difference to extend Kyle Rudolph and kind of keep him around and then deal with his contract again next year. But I think when you start adding up these moves and you look at the Rudolph move and you look at the bringing Anthony Barr back on a big contract, I just don't know that the Vikings are spending that the, the limited money they have left with Kirk Cousins' contract in the wisest places they could.
1: So here's one factor for me, Sam, in thinking it's probably a good idea to bring back Kyle Rudolph is there would be so much pressure on that position on Irv Smith, and I think with the Kubiak offense, they're going to want to use the tight end a lot and multiple tight end sets a lot. If he's not there, then that asks a rookie to... Uh, be a blocker at a lot of times and play potential two tight end sets with other guys that are not as dynamic or can't catch everything that's thrown at them like Kyle Rudolph. And I was looking through the PFF grades, three of the four worst blockers last year were rookie tight ends among all the tight ends. So uh, what what do numbers say or tell us about the transition for a rookie tight end? Am, am I overrating that, that Irv Smith would be able to step right in or, or does it look like that would be really hard for him?
6: I think it certainly as a blocker, that's always rough. Um, it's a very tough thing for rookie uh, tight ends to be able to do. Is At this point in the college landscape, tight ends bar- barely block at all. You almost never see a guy who's even capable of blocking in the, at the college level. And even the guys that look like they are struggle right away at the NFL level. It's such a different level of blocking in the run game or in the pass game that almost all those guys struggle. You look at a guy like O.J. Howard, coming out looked like this rare tight end who could block and could do everything and he was disastrous in his first year in terms of blocking at the NFL level now suddenly you're starting to see him put it together and kind of get himself on a level footing again um so yeah I think Irv Smith would definitely struggle if he was asked to be you know a significant run blocker or a significant blocking force in this offense but um you know I think there's other Uh, players that could do that if they had let go of Kyle Rudolph and if they had rolled with Irv Smith as the sort of primary receiving tight end, the move tight end, and gone with somebody else as a a run blocker instead.
0: Purple Daily, Courtney Courtney. and Matthew Collar, you're listening to Pro Football Focuses, Sam Monson. So I want to stay on the subject of Irv Smith because I asked Mike Zimmer about this earlier, um, and Matthew and I were just talking about this, that uh, of course, everybody's supposed to block. The Vikings have three not-great blockers and one pretty good one for right now in David Morgan. What So what does Kyle Rudolph's role become? Because I know that we've made such a big point about the Gary Kubiak offense and the role of tight ends in that. Um, Kyle Rudolph was not happy at a lot of points last year with John Filippo. He did not feel like his role was what it should be. And then you see Kevin Stefanski take over those final three games. Have, uh, he has the outlier, you know, the big game against Detroit and then, you know, was utilized in a different way than he had been the previous uh, 13 games of the season. What does Kyle Rudolph become now uh, with Irv Smith in this offense? I mean, is he still in a similar role to where he was relied on heavily for blocking? And are we going to be looking at Irv Smith is going to be primarily able to focus on being a receiver? Like, how will they complement each other in this offense?
6: Yeah, I mean, I think because of what we just talked about, that rookies often struggle being any kind of a capable blocker at the next level, I think Rudolph will be the guy that's doing most of that when it's called for. Um, but I think the good thing about Kubiak's offense and that, that style of offense that uses a lot of that um, outside zone, the, the play-action bootlegs, all those kinds of things, is that typically those are easier on on blockers, not just tight ends, but blockers across the board, they make life more simple um, because they give you essentially easier blocks to achieve. They're, they're tricking the defense effectively um, as much as you are blocking them. So it, it, makes a, it makes life easier for a blocker of any kind, and that, the same thing is true for tight ends. So when you start tracking the, the, the history of those offenses, whether it's Kubiak, whether it's a sort of Mike or Kyle Shanahan system, they tend to get career years out of quarterbacks, but they also get career years out of tackles, out of blocking tight ends, because suddenly the job is different. You're selling these guys on these outside zone plays, um, using play action, and all these guys have to do is to, to seal them and to, to cut off space as opposed to, you know, blocking sort of an honest one on one, um, block that's a much more difficult thing to achieve. So I think, you know, Rudolph will still have to do his fair share of run blocking and even staying into pass protected times, but it's going to be an easier job than it was under the the pass offense
1: talking with Sam Monson of pro football focus here on purple daily. So Sam, uh, we were talking about a little bit of bigger picture type of stuff with what this really means when you run it all back again and, um, return the same core you don't shake things up really aside from the offensive system how much better can you really be and that is my question for you all the parts are mostly back in the same places that they were last year with no real big personnel upgrades other than what we expect from the rookies Garrett Bradbury or Smith so how good are the Vikings
6: yeah so I think that offensive line is a, a very important dynamic how they're going to shake out um i, I Elfline, I think, was always a player that you know PFF graded consistently badly in the NFL, not just post-injury, but before injury. He hadn't been holding up his end of the bargain at center. If he's a better guard than he was a center, and if Garrett Bradbury is able to hit the ground running, that could potentially dramatically upgrade this offensive line. So I think if they're able to improve that unit, that's a huge step forward. And then the other thing is, you know, how good can Kirk Cousins be? I don't think they need him to be a top five quarterback. They don't need him to, to play like one of the best paid quarterbacks in the NFL, but they need him to get somewhere towards the top of his spectrum, which is basically somewhere between 10th and 20th in the NFL. If he's up towards the 10th best quarterback in the NFL, the Vikings are a far more dangerous team than they are. If he's playing around the 20th best quarterback in the NFL. And I think he's capable of doing either. Obviously the better the situation around him the more likely it is he'll play towards that top 10 level. Um, and then I think the other question mark is just what the secondary ends up looking like. I think Trey Waynes, uh, Xavier Rhodes, and the other guy that was playing extremely well towards the end of the year is Mackenzie Alexander. If those three are able to to really pick it up with um, with Mike Hughes coming back as well, I think the secondary could be better as well. Ultimately, this is a team that should be contending for the playoffs. And then once you're there – uh, you know anything can happen. It's just a case of whether they can string together their best performances.
1: Sam, you bring up Kirk Cousins, and I was looking through his career PFF grades. Thought it was interesting that last year was his second best PFF grade of his career. Not sure that people would have expected that. Um, how much better can he really be?
6: Well, that's the thing. Is I think he's capable of being anywhere in that ten to twenty range. And what's interesting is he always seems to kind of consistently be in the same area. He gets there through a wild roller coaster of a season, but it always ends up sort of leveling off around the same kind of baseline over the long term. So, you know, I think in any given week, you can see Kirk cousins light it up and play phenomenally. I mean, if you look at his highlight reel last season, he made some of the most spectacular passes of any quarterback in all of football, but there was also some extremely bad plays in there as well. And ultimately the balance of those ended up with him being, you know, a mid tier quarterback somewhere. So, it's really a case of what that balance ends up looking like. Can he maintain a high level of big time throws, cut down the number of turnover worthy plays, and just skew that balance a little bit more positively.
0: Sam, I wanna reference a tweet of yours uh quickly here before we before we end this segment, just about uh what happened last night with Kyle Rudolph and just some of the off season moves in general, I mean, Matthew and I have talked about it. They've gone all in on this core that got them where as far as they were in 2017. And then this offseason, it's Anthony Barr, it's Everson Griffin, and now it's Kyle Rudolph all being retained here in Minnesota. And you said that uh, it, it's, they're not, that's not judicious spending with Barr and with Rudolph. And, and I know with Barr, he's in his prime right now. He's 26, but Rudolph is nearing the other side of 30. Um, why do you think that doesn't constitute judicious spending in both cases?
6: I think ultimately, you know, people look at the contract Kirk Cousins has has, and they say that just immediately hamstrings you from creating the kind of roster around Kirk Cousins that he needs in order to win. I don't think that's true. I think it just means that you have to be constantly aware of the kind of money that you have and where to spend it. And what we're seeing from the Vikings is exactly that. They're not incapable of spending money. They've thrown a lot of money at Anthony Barr. They've thrown a significant amount of money in retaining Kyle Rudolph they have the money to spend to put players around Kirk Cousins but you need to spend it wisely and I think in a vacuum you know with looking at it from today re-signing Kyle Rudolph is fine but is it the best place to spend the money overall if you rewind a couple of months and figure out where else you could be spending that money you know if you look at a more long-term basis do you want to be re-upping one of your cornerbacks at this point do you want to be you know trying to bring in another offensive lineman that could potentially upgrade a real problem area um but i think that the one that i have the biggest problem with is the anthony Barr move because again we just haven't seen him be the kind of impact playmaker he would need to be to justify that money for a good number of years now and linebacker is becoming one of those positions that the value is just diminishing in today's NFL unless you do something special against the pass. So if you're a stellar pass rusher or a stellar coverage player you, know, you can climb your way up that value chart but if you're not and at the moment Anthony Barr isn't they don't you know use him as a, a kind of primary pass rusher and he's not good enough in coverage to be uh, to, to, um, to combat these kind of matchup weapons that offenses have throughout the NFL at that point, you're just throwing an awful lot of money at a player whose value is never likely to, to justify it.
0: Sam, great stuff as always. Be sure to give him a follow on Twitter, at PFF Appreciate underscore Appreciate you, Sam.
6: Sam. We love you. <laughs> love you too, guys.
0: <laughs> All right, so coming up on... <laughs> we'll just end it that way. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. End it that way. Thank you.
6: <laughs> always got to say it back, right?
1: Yeah, yes. yeah, you have to. Yeah, I feel actually really great and touched. Thank you. Yeah. All right, bye. Yeah, there
0: you go. All right, coming up on the other side of the break, Rami Maklov will join us. So the trio back in studio for my favorite segment, Hot Routes, Purple Daily on Score North. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit onepeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at onepeloton.com.
6: Did you know Nissan EVs have traveled 8 billion miles? Just a quick trip to Pluto and back. And what do we learn along the way? Well, that an EV can take on the world, like the Nissan Leaf. It can move racing forward. And take your breath away, like the all-new Nissan Aria. We learned to make EVs that electrify. 8 billion miles driven by LEAF owners globally since 2010. Aria not yet available for purchase. Expected availability late fall. Subject to change.